So, we met online. This is a podcast about love, sex, and everything in between the world of online dating. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Erica, and we are so excited, like really excited that you're here to listen to our podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, feedback, critiques, criticisms, praise, feel free to find us online at sowemetonline.com. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash sowemetonline. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So, we met online, and at first, the relationship was magical. Okay. I thought it was going great. I mean, you kind of skipped all the good stuff, but okay, sure. Yeah, no, you know, typically I have these horror stories, but in this particular case, I'm going to start with a magical, perfect story. I love it. Everything was going great. I'm like, we're in love. Uh This is like just... After what, two days? Yeah, after two days. (laughs) Such a romantic. Yeah, and after three days, Uh she pretty much stopped talking to me. And I started to wonder, you know, a a couple of the obvious questions like, did I say something wrong? Did it not work out? What's going on? But I thought, you know what? I'm going to keep trying. Well, I don't understand. How did you know she stopped talking to you? She stopped answering your texts, your calls? Well, when we say two or three days, we're only really joking. I mean, this right. is over the course of about two or three months. Okay. So if you're actually in a relationship for three months and then short of ghosting, you're mm-hmm. just drifting apart because the relationship isn't working, right? That's what happened. Okay. So the relationship started to not work, but I was did still... Did you know it wasn't working? Um... I wouldn't say I knew it wasn't working. I just thought we were going through normal relationship challenges at the beginning of a relationship, right? You learn about people, you start to evolve, you get closer, right? You're learning. So what I didn't realize was that where I thought the relationship was going was different than where she thought the relationship was going. Okay. Okay, because there was a little lack of communication there. So as she was trying to exit out of the relationship, I was trying to ramp up the relationship. And neither of you had that conversation. Exactly. Okay. Right. So let's fast forward a year. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I still talk to this woman. And as Does I'm, she talk to you? <laughs> but she doesn't talk to me, no. And so I started to realize at some point in time, I was chasing something that was basically never going to happen. Now, did she ever tell you why she didn't want to be in it anymore? Yes, we eventually had that conversation. And to her, it was, we're just not compatible. And in my world, again, at the time, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, we're hugely compatible. There was this disconnect. But as time progressed, again, I began to realize I'm chasing her around because I'm trying to obtain something that I think is there without really understanding if it really is there. When you say you were chasing her around, does that mean via text? You were calling her? No, I was in like one of those little mini cars and I was like... No, you weren't. That's not funny. Beep, beep. You're you're scaring me a little. I'm sorry. Now I'm picturing you doing bumper cars. (laughs) Exactly. No. um, Yeah, sure. You know, you'd get text messages You're a tall guy. I don't even think you would fit in one of those. That's even more comical. (laughs) No, so, you know, you be calling you'd have text messages the thing is i think the challenge with this was that 
in some instances, you also would have to expect that she's leading me on. She's, was she responding? Yes. She's responding. She's saying, you know, the things that you would want to hear, almost like baiting me into continuing what that. What kinds of things? Well, I, I know over the course of a couple of years, there were several times where she said she loved me too. So how do you be not in a relationship while at the same time telling somebody you love them, right? So there are these struggles. But here's where the story gets more interesting. Okay. So again, after about a year of this back and forth roller coaster ride, right. if we're going to stay on theme parks. <laughs> I mean, might as well. This roller coaster ride of a relationship where I feel like I'm constantly chasing something that's unobtainable, mm -hmm. she decides that she's going to get into another relationship. And as that relationship blossoms with this other person, that person that she is seeing is now not interested in her, but she's interested in him. So she starts to chase somebody that is unobtainable too. It's almost like this love triangle where I'm going after her, she's going after another guy, and who knows what the other guy's doing, right? Mm -hmm. And we're both basically trying to obtain a relationship that is just not there. And so it made me start thinking, because as I was talking to other friends about this story, there are a lot of people out there that appear to be chasing after relationships, chasing people that they're just not going to have a relationship with. Now, did you think there was still a chance because you had a glimmer of hope because you had had something at one point? Exactly. So I think one of the things I wanted to talk about today was that balance between what happens when you have a relationship with somebody and then it kind of breaks off and you're still longing for that relationship that you once had versus somebody who you've never had a relationship with and you're longing for a relationship with somebody who may not even know you exist. Right. And they're equally frustrating. Definitely. Of course. But I would say that the one in your situation is harder because you know what you had. Do you think in the time after you stopped seeing her, where you were still pining for her, do you think you put her on a bit of a pedestal and actually made it seem like it was better than it really was? I definitely think that's part of the equation in all of these stories. We see something in that person that we want to hold on to or mm -hmm. we want to are gravitating towards. And at times we do avoid the negative stuff. Right. Right. So for an example... To make this more complicated, the guy she was chasing was married. So she's now basically trying to obtain a relationship with a guy who's married. And I've told her, well, he's just using you, right, for sex or for whatever or for emotional stability. Maybe. Or we, we, we don't, don't know. We don't know the right. situation. But you're chasing after a guy and he's not really available for you. But I have a question for you. Why? And, and I understand you know, the romantic side, you think it's going to work. But why would you want to be with someone who so obviously doesn't want to be with you? Do you really want to convince someone to be with you? Well, that's part of the emotional struggle with these types of situations, right? right. Like if she said, okay, let's do it. Would you just jump back in and forget all the time she blew you off? Probably. <laughs> okay. I know it's not rational that's right. part of this conversation absolutely these emotions become irrational and as we start to like you said put people on pedestals or long for somebody those emotional feelings disconnect our logical side to say 
This is not necessarily a healthy relationship. That's true. And I have a lot of theories on this. Some I've read about and one I came up with on my own that we're going to talk about after the break on why it's that person who you seemingly can't have, whether it's the situation like yours where you've actually dated this person so you know the possibility was once there, or someone you're just chasing who might not even know you exist. Right. And I do think that some of this is instinctual in us as beings that for some of us we like a challenge right for some of us we like the chase i hate those stupid games i know for others it's a lack of self-esteem for some it's i can't get anybody else and this is like a great person i might as well chase this person Mm -hmm. maybe they'll fall for me Mm -hmm. and i want to talk about this a little more later but i have a client going through this right now which i'll talk about a little later obviously anonymously who thinks that, well, I didn't get to show my real self in the time we were together, and she just doesn't know the real me. And it's like, well, who were you then? And that's a great point because I often had said with my particular situation, we never really had a chance. I often sit there and say, yeah, so we dated for about three months, and it was great. That seems like a chance to me. Right. And after that ended, I kept reflecting back and saying, you know what, we really never had a chance to see if this would work. If we would only have a chance, let's try to have that chance. Come on, let's. it's just one chance. Give me the chance. Right. right? No, that's absolutely true. I, I was watching a show. So I've never read Uncle Vanya, have you? Mm-mm. But I saw the play, and I have no idea if they made any changes. So what I'm going to say is solely based on the play I saw at the local Jewish community <laughs> center <laughs> of Uncle Vanya. But... There was a guy who was in love with a woman in the show, and he kept saying, give me a chance for you to learn the real me. You don't know who I really am, and if you don't give this a chance, you're not going to know the real me. He kept saying, the real me, the real me. And finally, towards the end of the show, she said, I think I see the real you. Is there another you hiding? Like, isn't this guy I know the real you? And finally, he came to this realization, my God, this is the real me. So after the break, we're going to talk about some theories on why people want the unattainable. Sounds great. Thank you for listening to So We Met Online. If you enjoy listening, we invite you to visit our site at sowemetonline.com slash sponsors and find out how you can help support the show. On the site, you can learn about all of our sponsors, donate to the show, or promote your own business by becoming a sponsor on one of our upcoming episodes. And if you're a fan, please share our podcast to your friends, co-workers, or anyone else who is looking to meet someone online. So, Chris, I was saying I have a lot of different theories, some I've read, some my own. I want to talk about different theories about why people tend to want the one person they can't have. Okay. So the story usually starts the same. You know, you like someone. He or she likes you, maybe. (laughs) You continue liking this person. This person stops liking you or never did and pulls back. Then you like this person more. Now, this person feeling smothered continues to pull back. You continue to obsess more. Why should a person's feelings actually grow the less and less someone is reciprocating those feelings? So there are a few theories. The first one is called overinvestment. So this is actually something I got from a site called Elite Daily. 
and it describes the theory in detail. It says that a principle on which our minds work is reciprocity, right? If we do something for someone, even if we haven't asked them for something in return, we subconsciously expect the person to do something in return of about equal value. Sure, yeah. So, and conversely, if someone does something nice for us, many of us will want to reciprocate that. Right, and some of this is as simple as I sent you a text good morning, I'm waiting for you to send me a text good morning back. Right. Now, that shouldn't be the reason you send it, though. Right. So these things could range from the text you just said, dinner, a massage, anything like that. So when this person doesn't respond good morning to you, rather than retreating, we instead tend to invest more in the hopes of the other person responding. And then, this is interesting, once we've invested more, the amount of reciprocation required in our minds increases. So the more we invest, the more we want back. And as this article I read says, quote, annoyingly, investing too much time and energy in someone without the person wanting it will usually push the person away. Yeah. I mean, it seems like common sense. So when you want someone you simply can't have, the best thing is to relax, step back, and not invest so much into someone, no matter how difficult that is. And I I agree with that. Absolutely. The saying, you must let them go, if you love them, let them go, if they return, you know, that whole saying, that's based partly on what you just talked about. It's, like you said, the more you go and gravitate towards somebody, it becomes annoying. It becomes needy. It becomes whiny. It becomes all these things that are unattractive. Right. And that pushes them further away. When you become aloof, standoffish, back, uninterested. But then that seems like a game. Exactly. It is a game, unfortunately. But there is some truth in being relaxed, not pressuring I think there's a happy medium between I never would advise people to play that game to act aloof just for the sake of acting aloof. Because if someone only wants you when they can't have you, that's a problem. Yes. So the next theory is actually my own that I named perceived value and scarcity. Now remember, I'm a former economist. so, (laughs) So this is my theory. And it is the less someone responds or reciprocates to one's advances, the more the perceived value the pursuer thinks this person has. So for example, you know, she must be so busy or he must be so overcome with suitors or whatever you right. want to call it. Or she must have such a high profile job that she doesn't have time to reply to my text from six days ago. But who's counting, right? So we try harder since this person must really be, quote, worth it if he or she is in such high demand. In other words, this person is a scarce resource. And often, the higher we perceive this other person's value, this comes to what you were saying before, your own kind of self-worth, the lower we perceive our own. So this person's lack of response should not imply a higher value, though. Rather, at its simplest, it should imply a lack of proper communication, where someone could easily write, I'm simply not interested. Yeah. Or just rudeness. This is interesting. This is a story that happened to me. In a non-dating context, so it's a client, a client sent me an email, I don't know, six months ago, asking a question that I thought deserved a very timely response. It was a question about an imminent date. So I replied within an hour. So rather than thanking me for the quick response and drawing the conclusion that I'm good at my job and really like to have good customer service and it's important to me, he instead replied with, Don't you have anything better to do than to answer my questions or answer my emails so quickly? (laughs) 
Are you kidding me? Yeah. So people think you're better, smarter, more successful, whatever, when you treat them worse? Like, let's turn that concept on its head and instead recognize the people who reply are kind and actually want to date, or in this case, work with you. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that whole perceived value and how you outlined that, I agree. I do think that we look at people and we think, oh, they're successful, they're busy, mm -hmm. they must be important, that's attractive. And we say this in the sense of trying to obtain or trying to date somebody that is unobtainable or not interested in us and how we hold on. Yet, one of the primary elements of writing our online dating profiles is to give some of that perception off that we have ourselves together. Yeah, but we're talking about communicating here. Sure. I think, again, it's it's interesting how it's almost acceptable in some areas of the relationship, but looked at differently in other aspects of the relationship. Yeah, I just think it's totally rude when someone doesn't reply. And in its simplest form, my favorite thing to say is, if he or she has time to go to the bathroom, they yes. have time to text me back. Well, we've talked multiple times about communication. And well, yeah, and... Look, I think people are pretty transparent in general. They make time for the things they want to make time for, and they right. don't for they don't. And when right. people say, I didn't have time, that right. to me right. is, I didn't make time. Right. And that goes back to my story, to the woman I was pining after. I would notice these gaps in conversation, and I would realize, oh, she's talking to somebody else. Mm -hmm. I'm not a priority. She's has other priorities and right. those are, you know, other guys or whoever else. Whereas with someone perhaps with lower self-esteem might say, oh my gosh, she is in such high demand. I want her more. Yeah. And you can flip this because I have had women chase me or who have pined after me who I do have conversations with, right? I, I well, see the trends. We're right? going to talk about the breadcrumbing thing in a minute, yeah. but I want to go through a couple more I have two more theories on why we want the person okay. we can't have. Number three is defense mechanisms. So if there are 20 people you can, whatever you want to call it, get or date or anything, and there's one person you can't, some people will go for the unattainable because then there's no accountability for a relationship not working. So yeah. hear me out on this. So let's say you date someone who actually likes you, and after a number of months the relationship fizzles. Okay, it's no one's fault, but you took an active role. If you instead chase the unattainable, you can never say that you took the active role because you never made it to the point of the relationship and thereby never allowed yourself to succeed or fail. Yeah, no, that's that's actually goes back to, again, my story where the woman who I was pining after was chasing a man who was married. I think in some ways she had gotten out of a relationship that had hurt her. Mm -hmm. And so she was chasing something that it's not a relationship. It's right. never going to it's not going to work anyway, so I'm not accountable. Anyway. Right. And then the last one, of course, is just science. You know, a brain, a brain's happy drug is dopamine. So for me, if someone scanned my brain, <laughs> you'd likely find high levels of dopamine. I can't believe I'm sharing this with everyone. When I walk into H&M, <laughs> I just really like H&M. That is my happy place. Or if someone surprises me with a piece of dark chocolate with sea salt, hint, hint, <laughs> or if I get a kiss from someone I really like, okay? So our brain craves this feeling. So by going for someone we know we can't have or we can only have sometimes, which we'll talk about in a minute, our brains love that unpredictability because the highs are higher than if we got the desired reward all the time. This mm -hmm. is why breadcrumbing, which we'll get into in a minute, and which we talked about 
I believe in episode 20, has entered our lexicon. So why would a breadcrumber and the def- definition, whatever, it's, it's, it's a concept that's been around forever. Just people like these silly words. It's when someone just comes back periodically, touches base, and you don't know when this person is going to come back. So every time you get this little hit of dopamine, right? Yep. So why would someone allow someone who he or she can't really attain to keep coming back for more only on a periodic, unpredictable basis? It's because the brain says, yes, we want this. With the extra dopamine, though, also comes added anxiety. When is he going to text? I haven't, or I haven't heard from her in three days, and I know she's back from her weekend trip by now. (laughs) Or, you know, if he wants to go out this weekend, he needs to ask since it's already Friday afternoon. Is that a worthwhile trade-off? I say no. Yeah, uh, the only thing that's coming to mind is love is a drug. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Absolutely. It's, we get that hit off of that response, and we crave that response. Mm -hmm. And every time we start looking at our phones and wondering when am I going to get that response, it's just because we're longing for that hit. Whether it's a drug or caffeine or however you want to, you know, endorphins, (laughs) whatever you want to call it, that's what we're longing for. Well, right. And it's really tempting to fall for the thrill of the chase or something like that, partly because our vanity can drive us to keep pursuing someone who's just not interested. Yeah, and I think we say it a lot in this type of situation, why am I not good enough? Well, that's turning it back on yourself. And and that goes back to the self-esteem because this is what I tell clients all the time. You cannot let someone else determine your value. If you are saying this person doesn't like me, what's wrong with me? Then you have to take a look inward and think to yourself, why am I putting that on me? I mean, if someone doesn't like me, now granted, you know, I do have higher self-esteem. It's And I just have to think to myself, you know, I might think for a minute, did I say something? But then I think, you know what? I'm not that person's cup of tea. That's his loss. Right. But that's a really hard place to come to. Oh, it's it's very hard to come to. Again, especially when you have all of these different types of dynamics that you just outlined coming into play. Not just about your self-esteem, but your worth, your value, the worth you place on others, the value of time, the communication differences, all of those things come into play. And you outline four or so different reasons as to why these things happen and why we Yeah, why you want the person you can't have. And I actually think that in a lot of scenarios, it's a combination of these. Oh, I completely agree. There's a combination of the communication is bad and I'm looking for that hit and there's a self-esteem problem, right? Right. When you match two or three of these things together, then you're in a real bind. Right. And it's interesting because some of the best relationships are the ones where many of the best ones are where there's no guessing. You know how the other person feels about you. And sometimes people give up on those relationships because they're too comfortable. They're too easy. And I think that's a mistake. We talked about this last night at dinner where you could have somebody that is 99.9% perfect for you. In every single fathomable explanation, there is no guesswork. There is no question about what's going on. There is ease. There is comfort. And yet, you still long for that one, that 0.1% Yeah, because it keeps you on your toes. Exactly. And especially with 
online dating and the apps and I mean you get a little that hit of dopamine every time you get a match with someone. I do believe that's why people are more inclined to look you know find the greener grass sometimes. Ultimately I would not want to be with someone and I would not recommend that you or a client or anyone should be with someone who you have to fight for that hard because if you have to convince someone to be with you I think the relationship is already starting off on the wrong foot. Yeah and the hopeless romantic side says maybe she's worth fighting for. Maybe that person is worth fighting for that in the master scheme of things when it's all said and done that the fighting and the longing and the working hard for will pay off into a magical relationship. That seems like a lot of anxiety to me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we'll end there. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.